Good morning, good morning. Hello, hello. Welcome all. So glad you are here. So glad you have joined us. Uh, my name is Ian Ray. I am the, the youth pastor and the small group pastor here at Indie Vineyard. And it has been a, yeah, it's, it's a blast getting to do what I get to do. And so I actually see quite a few new faces. So I just want to say first and foremost to you, welcome. We are so glad you are here and that you've joined us. Just know that you are loved so much and that you are welcome here. And I feel like the Lord has something for you here tonight. And if you've been coming here for 15 years, 20, 30, however long the church has been around, I feel like the Lord has something for you as well. So we're just going to hit the ground running. Like Adam said, we're just going to go straight into it. So I'll start out with just a, a question. Uh, who here, and we can do by like a show of hands, who is like all about sports? All right, you're like, this. they're like my everything. We love it. Sean in your Colts gear. We know that. We know that. Love it. So glad. Okay, so I, uh, we, we're about sports. And who can agree, we can just do with like a nod of the head, who can agree that sports this year have been just very weird? Like, yeah, okay, everyone's nodding. Everyone's like, yep, it's been very strange. I mean, so much so that we are now paying to watch it on TV and paying for our faces to be just in the seats because they can't be there anymore. I mean, that's strange, right? That is weird. But that's what we've come to. Uh, I feel like it's in like a video game. Uh, for anyone that knows Spy Kids, Spy Kids 3D, you know, I'm dating myself and also making myself look really young by referencing that. So it's like both, both and. So sports, they've just been really weird this year. So we're going to start out quickly uh, just to embrace some like pre-COVID sport goodness. So we're going to see a clip really quick and um, nod your heads um, or just, or shake them because this is going to, this is going to split the room and I'm so sorry. Uh, Who misses Lance Stevenson being on the Pacers? All right. Some people, okay, okay, a couple people are like, man, the energy, the, you know, the aggressiveness against LeBron, like it was exciting. Uh, So We're going to see a clip, and this will make sense. I know, like, there's a purpose, I promise. Uh, We're going to watch a video of Lance Stevenson. And before we do this, I want to preface, the Pacers are up by 15 points, all right? So you look at the score. They're up by 15 points, and I just want you to see what happens. There's about 10 seconds left. If you know the NBA, you'll you'll feel all the emotions for, and maybe you remember this. So you can go ahead and play it, and we'll take a look. Joseph sends it now over to Carroll. And clock at 12 on a kick out. Here's Tucker, the corner three, doesn't go. And that's going to do it. And Lance right, Stevenson. Three, five seconds left, layup. He's going to lay it up and in. seconds left. And now DeRozan and Lance Stevenson getting into it with Tucker for laying that shot up and in with time running out and the Raptors at midcourt here. I mean, it's getting and intense, Tucker right? I and mean, Stevenson man. with words for one another. Words. And P.J. Tucker headed down toward the Indiana bench because typically, as we know, Leo, with right, time the running out in the game in hand, you would not here, here shoot that basket. And so... All right, you can end it there. All right, so if... Here's the thing, if you know anything about basketball, you would not shoot that basket. Uh, And, again, it's all going to make sense. But we are in a season right now uh, of Advent. Now, Advent is, uh, is a beautiful season of anticipation. It's a waiting for Jesus coming. And it's beautiful. We're in a series right now called With God. And it's this idea that God came as man. And because God came as man, we actually have the opportunity to be with God. And that's a beautiful invitation. Maybe that's something you haven't heard before, that you can actually be with God. And it's because of a man named Jesus that comes on the day of Christmas, right? This this idea of Jesus was born and he came into the earth. And today we're talking about this idea of joy. So this week we're talking all about joy. And now's where the video makes sense, where the, the thing with joy and you might experience this. You know, sometimes like a last-second shot in a basketball game just like has you running and pacing around the basement. Like you are ecstatic. And other times it doesn't. And this is, this is a prime example where the Pacers are up by 15 points. And Lance, what a guy, decides to go up and, and make, a, make a layup. And then you saw how the Raptors fans are like super angry, super upset, and they surround Lance Stevenson. And... I want to just, here's the thing, as we're talking about joy, 
If I came to you and I said, you know, like, I'm ahead, like, life is so great for me, I'm awesome, I'm killing it, like, life is amazing, be joyful. You know, maybe those that, that are feeling down in the game of life, you would come, you would surround me, be like, why, why did you rub that in my face that you're joyful? You know, why did you make that shot? Why did you take that extra, extra two-pointer when you, you didn't need to? And so for joy to really become uh, something that we experience, we actually have to recognize that joy comes amidst trial. Joy comes amidst pain. For you to actually care about that shot being made, the pacers have to be down by a point. Or maybe just up by a point, you know, just bringing the gap just a little more. That's when those shots are exciting. So I come to you sharing about joy for you to understand, like, it's been, it's been a tough year. I've, I've personally, I've been in a, in a tough spot. We all can, can recognize that, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But I just want to preface that so we don't have any, not Raptors players, but Indy Vineyard uh, members, like, surrounding me. Like, Ian, like, why, why are you talking about joy? Why, why did you do that extra two-pointer? And, and I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be vulnerable today and just where the Lord has had me. And so, like I said, we're going to talk on, on joy and I want us to lay a foundation of true biblical joy. And so we're just going to kind of lay it out. I'm going to walk through a lot of scripture, a lot of stories, and we're just going to kind of hopefully walk away with a different understanding of, of what joy looks like in the kingdom of God. And so there's actually a video uh, the Bible Project has, uh, which is amazing. We reference them a lot. We would really recommend checking them out. You can just go to thebibleproject.com. A lot of this understanding of joy comes a lot from this video. So I'm going to, like, break it down. But if you're like, man, I want some cool imagery, go to the video. And so joy, this idea, we see joy all throughout Scripture. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. In Genesis 1, we see joy in just the fields being grown. Just this, this simple happiness of growing flocks. There's actually a Proverbs that talks about joy kind of similar to uh, like perfume to your nose as a friend is to your heart. You know, simple, simple joy sometimes. Now, it's important for us to realize the joy that we see in the Bible, the joy we see in Scripture is actually, uh, it's key on pointing out the brokenness of the world. Now, joy is not apart from suffering. Joy is not apart from trial. Joy is not apart from pain. And it's important to recognize the difference. Joy is not just happiness, right? It's not saying that I'm going to laugh a little harder at this circumstance or, or I'm going to laugh at this joke. It's not just happiness, but true biblical joy is, is us being rooted. And, and biblical joy is not just rooted in like our circumstance, True biblical joy is not just us, you know, looking around what's going on around us, but our joy, it comes from God's love. Our joy comes from God's hope for humanity, and that humanity is a man, and his name is Jesus. That, that hope, that joy that we receive is, is that person that we celebrate coming on Christmas. That's our hope. You know, we even see it in the story of Moses, now, for those that, that aren't aware, Moses is this man who uh, God used in profound ways. He was this guy that didn't feel like he was super adequate in helping God. And what he did is, is God went to Moses and said, I'm going to choose you to actually deliver the people of Israel, or in other words, the people of God. And so Moses comes, and, and there's all these, you know, uh, like locusts, and I mean, it's a crazy story. You got to check it out if you haven't heard it. And if a lot of, I know a lot of us have, but it's a beautiful story. And what happens, spoiler, I'm so sorry for anyone watching or anyone here, they do get out of slavery. So, woo, that's good, right? We're about it. We're about getting out of slavery. And they'd been in slavery for like 430 years, so a very long time. And so they get out of slavery. They end up in the desert. Now, if you have ever been into a desert, it is just like they say it's dry for a reason. You walk in and you just feel, it's super confusing because your body starts sweating and you can't like stop sweating. But then you're like, I am really wet, but I am so, dry. like my mouth is so dry. I don't, like it is, it is difficult to be, be in, a, in a desert. I had the opportunity of going to the Middle East here this past uh, summer, not this past summer, there was a pandemic, we recognized, uh, the summer before, and I was in a desert, and I'm like, man, this is hot, okay, that's the best way, it's hot, it's really hot, um, and what happens is 
I mean, millions of people come into a desert, right? And they are, they have no food. They have no water. They're probably drenched in sweat. Their, their mouth is parched. And what is their response? The response is joy. The response is rejoicing. Now, they could look around and say that my circumstance says that I should not be full of joy. And yet they are choosing, I am full of joy in this moment because what God has done for me. And that is the promise of joy with God is that he has promises for you. He has a desire for you to be with him. And once we understand that, our, our joy, we, we start rejoicing in circumstances where we shouldn't be rejoicing in. And then we see this theme all throughout scripture of joy in the wilderness. And joy in the wilderness, it becomes this super defining moment for God's people. And we see all throughout scripture in the Old Testament and the New Testament where God's people are deciding to choose joy despite their circumstance. It's beautiful. The joy of God's people, it's not determined by their struggles, but rather, they decide, they, they understand, they come to a realization that they are redeemed by the Lord. That Jesus has come as man. And because Jesus has come as man, you have the opportunity to be with God. Once they understand that, they can't help but be joyful. Because that's the beautiful reality. And, and if you know any, any Bible trivia or any, any understanding, there's this man named Paul. Now, Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament, and he like went through it. Like, he went through the ringer. We think 2020 is bad. Just read about Paul. I mean, this guy is just, I mean, jail multiple times, like stoned until he's almost dying. Just continuously, I mean, thing after another. And yet, in his letters that he's sending to the people of God, he's like, I'm, I'm happy. I'm joyful. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense to our paradigm here in, in Western culture. And yet Paul is saying this joy, this joy amidst my sorrow, amidst my grief, it's attainable. It's possible. And so I, I want us to hear that, that once we understand Jesus, once we get him as a person, once we, we decide that he died and rose again for us, that's when we're able to step into joy despite our circumstance. That's the promise. Honestly, that's the message. That's the message of the gospel. That's the message of Jesus. And that's what he has for you today, that you can come to a further understanding of joy despite what's going on around you. And so we're going to go uh, into Scripture. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to, to grab it out. If you have, um, you know, on your phone or tablet, whatever it is, we're going to be reading through 1 Peter chapter 1. So 1 Peter chapter 1. Now, I might be reading this verse, and you might have said, well, I've heard this one before. Or maybe you've heard a lot of verses similar to this. And I would say that's not a coincidence because this is a theme, like I said, all throughout Scripture. And the reason this is a theme is because God, the one who inspired it and spoke it and had men write it, he wants you to get it. The God of the universe wants you to get this today. And so 1 Peter, uh, uh, essentially this letter is being wrote to Asia Minor, all right? So um, it's people scattered all throughout Asia, and these people had never seen Jesus. They didn't know him. They never met him. They had been uh, converted to Christianity. And Peter is basically saying, like, you're going to go through it. You're going to go through the ringer. You're going to go through suffering. But then he talks about this concept of joy, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, if you haven't picked up on it by now. Uh, so we're in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. I'm just going to go ahead and read that. So that's 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. It says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Whew. Let's pray. Jesus, we come to you. 
not just as the provider of joy, but truly of our joy. You are joy. We find joy in you, not only for what you've done, but also for who you are. So Jesus, we come to you and we just ask that we're able to express, that we're able to walk out with tools on how to live in joy, even despite what's going on around us. For the salvation that you have brought by coming on this earth and dying for our sins leads us into glorious and inexpressible joy. So would you, you move us into glorious joy today? Would we walk out with a newfound understanding of, of the gift to which you are and the gift to which you did? Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. I mean, let's be honest, that verse alone is it. I mean, we can just, you can walk away with that. Just sit in it, understand. I mean, how beautiful. And I, I love this. I mean, it's just, it's so, so good, so profound. In verse 6, you know, in this you greatly rejoice. Now, in this, uh, Peter is, is, he's referencing to the anticipation of what's to come. It's of the future. It's of deliverance. It's, it's of what Jesus is providing. Now, he goes on to say, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief. And, I mean, he wrote this pre-2020, pre-COVID, but I think all of us can now say, you know, instead of the though, we can say, all right, you may have had to suffer grief. We may have had, in fact, you have had to suffer grief. I mean, let's just call it what it is. You've suffered grief. I've suffered. We all have suffered grief in this season. And here's what's crazy. In Peter's writing, he's emphasizing this point. He's actually emphasizing this idea that that the grief that we're experiencing is actually brief. Like it's saying it's not, it's not going to go on forever. The, the Greek, if we kind of get down to the original Greek, there's a bunch of different words that you can use for like trials and persecution and grief. And, grief. and in Greek, it's, it's not the long ones, okay? Uh, it's, it's the short ones. That's, that's, that's the best way to, to boil it down. Um, in Romans, I believe it's five. I, I taught on this like a year ago. Uh, this idea of, of thlipsis. It's, it's persecution. It, it talks about persecution. This is not what this is talking about. This is talking about just this grief. And, and once we start to recognize like we have a, an eternal perspective, the grief that we're experiencing, it is so small in the light of eternity. Now don't hear that I do not value what you're going through. Do not hear that God does not value what you're going through. But do hear that there is an end in sight, and it's in a man named Jesus, and we get to experience it, whether it's on this side of heaven on or, or that side of heaven, that we get to experience this glory, and we know when we get to heaven that there is no pain, there is no suffering, and that is a promise that we get to look forward to, and that is beautiful. And then Peter goes on to say in verse 7, and he talks about gold. You know, he says uh, that you have come to your faith of greater worth than gold. So our faith, it's, it's, it's greater worth than gold. Now, I won't lie. It would be really nice if someone came up to me and said, hey, I just got some gold laying around. Here you go. Go ahead and take it. I put it in my pocket. I walk away, and I walk out a rich man. I mean, if any of you, what, no, I'm just kidding. You don't, you don't need to bless me in that way. I, I, but here's the thing. Let's recognize. Let's recognize, like, gold on this earth. It's a good thing. Like, it's, it's, it's nice to have. If anyone come up and said, hey, no strings attached. I'm handing you some gold. We'd be about it. I'd be about it. I'll own it. All right? It's actually gold is one of man's most prized possessions. Now, that's the thing. But, but here's the thing about gold, that when it's refined, when it's, when it's burned down, the impurities actually are removed. They actually, they go away. And he says faith is more f valuable than gold. And the reason he says that is because faith lasts longer and it reaches beyond the present moment. God actually sets his stamp of, on, stamp of approval on faith. And we recognize that as soon as Christ is believed, that us as believers, if we've professed Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that we will profess, we will openly share in praise and glory and honor of Jesus. And that is beautiful. That's a beautiful gift that we get to experience. 
And then verse 8, it, it talks about our faith being toward Jesus. This is, I mean, I, honestly, this message could be like five minutes. Like, it's, it's all about Jesus. Like, that's, that's it. And faith, it's directed toward Jesus Christ, and it produces love and joy in believers. And what's crazy is, is here as Peter is writing to, to these people that these readers, they have come to love Jesus because they believe that he has actually loved them enough to die for them. I mean, they've come down to it and they're like, oh my goodness. And, and it's, so, it's so wild as, as it talks about us rejoicing in, in suffering. We see that all throughout scripture as it, as it happens. And, and again, it, it just doesn't make sense. But... Christians, so us as Christians, we do not rejoice because of sufferings. We rejoice because of the glorious expectation of our future with Christ. We as believers do not rejoice because of our sufferings. I used to want to. I loved martyr stories. I mean, I'll be honest. I read a bunch of books. I was like, I used to tell people, like, what do you want to be? I want to be a martyr. It was this really, it wasn't long, but it was a strange period. And I was like, I, I want to die for my faith. I'm all about it. I'm all about Jesus. This is what I want. And I realized that I was, I was almost rejoicing. Like, I was wanting suffering to come my way because somehow it was going to make me holy. It was going to make me, me worthy in the sight of God. And, and as I've been preparing this, the Lord has, like, refined my heart and specifically said, like, we do not rejoice because of suffering. But we do. We, we, we rejoice because of the glorious expectation of our, for, our, of our future with Christ. That's what it is. It's because of Jesus. It's not because of, of what we're presently in. So please don't hear this message of glorifying our suffering. I, I, I want to sit with you in it. We want to be. It's important to be present in it. And then it goes on in, in, in verse 9. And it says that you're receiving the goal of your faith. And that goal of your faith is, I mean, it's that. It's, it's salvation. And it's within salvation that we actually experience the paradox of joy. The goal is salvation of our souls. And we enjoy the future salvation in this present age. Okay? Uh, I'll, it, another way, even like with joy, if we look at this passage, here's another way to look at it. We find joy in the present from what's to come in the future. We find joy in the present from what's to come in the future. Now, I might say that, and you might walk away being like, Ian, that's all conceptual. Like, that's like, that's great when you say it, but how? Like, how do you actually do that? And uh, that's, that's what I, I want us to understand. How do we experience the joy that is to come in the present? I was uh, serving in a, and I've talked about this refugee camp a couple of different times, but I was in Greece, and I was serving in a refugee camp. And I had the opportunity, and it was a beautiful, beautiful uh, opportunity. I was there for a month, and uh, particularly I was serving in, uh, as a gate guard of Section B. Now, Section B is these, uh, essentially it's the young men, minors. So anyone who's under 18 that don't have family or don't, you know, their parents have, have passed or maybe haven't gotten out of their country yet. And so I'm in this, this refugee camp in Greece, and it's off of the islands. Well, it's technically right off of Turkey. Like, we used to wake up, and we could see the mountains of Turkey, which was awesome. And, but it was technically a Greek island. And they were going there to seek refuge, and, th and that was the whole, whole deal. And so I'm sitting there, or, or standing rather, and w you would work for like 12 hours in the refugee camp. And, and when I say brokenness, like I mean brokenness. I mean people. Who are, here's what's crazy that we don't understand about refugees. When we hear refugee, we think like the poor. We think those that are trying. No, no, no. The refugees are those that actually have enough money to pay to be smuggled out. Like, I was talking with people who are lawyers. I, I mean, they're showing, like, their Bugattis on their, I'm not even kidding, like, on their phones. And I'm like, wait, you're a refugee? They're like, yeah, the terrorists, they came in, and we had to, to leave. We had to evacuate. And they had enough money to be smuggled out. And so I'm sitting, and, and, and what happens is one night, just all the boys, they start kind of in this circle in, in front of me, and they're doing, like, this dance. I will not replicate it as to not scar anyone. But they're, I mean, they're just in a circle. They're going around, and it is just joyful. I mean, it is like abundant joy. I'm so excited. They're excited. They bring me into the circle, and I'm like, 
I'm about it. I'm like, yeah, I'm not a good dancer, but I try. I commit. You know, that's what you got to do if you're, if you're not a good dancer. And so I'm, I'm dancing with them, and, and we're just having fun. We're having a blast. And, and later reflecting, I was so confused because they were so full of joy. And yet I know that the day before, one of the refugees had come to me and said, I just got a call about my mom, and she actually just died. She was going to be coming here. She sent me ahead because she had enough money, then she was going to save up. And uh, some extremists had come into their town and village and had actually killed his family. And, I, and here's the thing. That was not just this boy's story. That was all their story. Some of them had seen their, their families burned. Some of them had just escaped, and their families just didn't have enough money to, to get out. And it was this trying experience as we would play card games and we would dance. And I'm just like, but, but how? Like, how are you experiencing this joy amidst this stuff that's going on? And I found that I was experiencing joy in that moment. And these boys, they taught me that, that it wasn't due to their circumstance that we can experience joy. But I realized in that moment that joy is a choice. We actually make a choice to choose joy. And I notice in traveling the world as I've, I've traveled around that the most joyful people are not in good circumstance. That they don't have money, they don't have the big house, they don't have the grandiose car, they don't have the giant families. Uh, oftentimes they've experienced severe, severe loss. And yet I found that they're the most joyful people. And here we are with everything that we could ever imagine here, here in the West, and, and we're struggling like, man, I just, I'm struggling to be happy today. I'm struggling to feel, feel joy today. And as I've kind of talked and processed, like their joy stood alone. Like their joy was not influenced by what, like what was going on. And, and like I said, joy, I, I want us to hear this. It's not just an idea. It's not just a concept, but it's actually a choice. So what I want to do is I want to spend a, a small time on suffering. I want to spend a small time on circumstance. And then we're going to get to joy, okay? Like that is, that, they go together. And I want us to recognize, I want us to call it as it is that we've had a tough year. I mean, we did not see this thing coming. We didn't see COVID. We didn't see the riots. We didn't, like all the things that have happened in 2020, we did not expect and as I've been preparing this message, I've noticed uh, that so often we struggle to, to acknowledge or accept what's going on. We, we struggle to acknowledge what we're going through. And, and here's what I mean. In, in conversations, I would, I would talk with people and be like, how are you doing? And they would respond, you know, it's, it's, it's been a really hard season for me. But, you know, 2020, COVID, you know, everyone's having a tough year. And I found in my, own, in my own, like, language, I was saying the same thing. As people ask, how are you doing? Like, man, honestly, it's been really hard, but it's been hard for everyone else. And I wasn't actually owning. I wasn't acknowledging. I wasn't saying, like, no, this has been a hard year for me. Like, this has been a hard year for me, and it's been a hard year for you. And we don't have to lessen uh, our, our circumstances, our feelings, just just to try and make someone else. I, th I think so often times we're doing that because we don't want anyone to feel alienated. We don't want anyone to feel like their troubles are not worth it. But in order for us to step into true joy, we have to actually oftentimes acknowledge our own circumstance. And so I want us just to do that today. Again, the introverts are going to hate me for this. And I'm sorry I'm an extrovert, so we're going to do it. Um, I want you just to turn to your neighbor, and I just want you to say, it's been a hard year for me. And if it hasn't, you don't need to lie, okay? But, but if it has, turn to your neighbor and say, it's been a hard year for me. I mean, it's been a tough year. I mean, we can acknowledge that. We can say it. We can call it what it is. And again, if that's not you, that's okay. And, and we honor that. We honor that you've been experiencing true joy. Thank you. And so today, as I was praying, all right, God, how, how do we experience joy? How, how do we encounter it? And essentially, we're going to kind of walk through a path to being able to make the choice of joy. So if, if joy, joy is a choice, we're going to walk through a path to be able to make that choice. So I call it the three A's, okay? So the first A, it's this. Acknowledge the circumstance. The first A is acknowledge the circumstance. 
And if I'm honest, I wasn't doing that. I wasn't. I, I wasn't owning that, man, this year has been hard. I was thinking about others. I was, I was doing it in light of everyone else. But we have to acknowledge the circumstance. In James 1, 2 through 4, this is what it says. James 1, 2 through 4, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So there's that, jo- that word, joy, right? It, it's there again, and, and I love that. It, it says, you know, when we count it joy, when we meet trials, in other translations it says when you face trials. Now, what does it mean to meet like, what, 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 here's the thing with meeting someone. This is very strange. But, but when you meet someone, at, at least in the Western sphere, you go up, you shake their hand, kind of, you know, like not too hard but not too light, like right in the middle, right? And you look them in the eyes and you, you meet them. You just, hello, so nice to meet you. Like, that's, that's what you do. That's what I've been taught in interviews. Like, that's how you meet someone. You acknowledge them. You talk to them. You face them. But how many people, and if this has ever been done to you, I am so sorry, and I pray the Lord heals you of this wound, has come up to you and tried to meet you, and they just kind of turn their back. You know, they're like, no. Like, really nice to meet you guys. And they kind of turn around. Like, that'd be uncomfortable. That'd be really strange. When you meet someone, you look them face to face. You shake their hands. You look them in the eyes. You say hello. You don't turn away. And I think for us to meet trials, it means we actually have to look it in the face. We have to shake its hand. We have to say, hello, I see you. I acknowledge you. We have to say, man, when you're signing those divorce papers, man, I'm, I'm getting a divorce. Or when your parents are, are splitting up and your parents are going through that, you're like, oh, my gosh, my parents are, are, are splitting. Or, or you're going through a breakup. You have to, you know, man, I'm, I'm going through this breakup. Or, or my mom, my mom really said that to me. Or my father really did that. We have to acknowledge it. We have to call it what it is. And I, this has been my life story. If you know anything about me, this is it. Like me just stepping into acknowledging the circumstance. Uh, last, uh, last week, or maybe two weeks ago, I want to be really honest, I was being like really childish, and I'm just going to, I'm going to kind of <laughs> reveal it to you guys. I was here working in the church. It was a very long day. And I was supposed to pick up some glow sticks. Um, my, my girlfriend is amazing, and she, she was doing a glow party for her students. She's a teacher here in, uh, the following day. And so it was important that I grabbed the glow sticks, okay? And you'll never guess what I forgot to grab. <laughs> yeah, it was the glow sticks. So I get home, and I lay in my bed because it's a long day, so I want to take a little nap before we had small groups. So I'm, like, ready. And then I get this text on my phone. It's like, did you grab the glow sticks? I didn't, and uh, I, I started getting really annoyed, really frustrated, because I realized, <laughs> woe is me, right, uh, that I was going to have to drive 20 minutes back to the church to grab them, and then 20 minutes back to my house, thus not allowing me to nap. Yeah, I know. And I was frustrated. I was frustrated with myself for forgetting to grab the glow sticks. And so I sat in the car, and I kind of decided that I was just going to, like, I was, I, I was going to be angry the rest of the day. I don't know why I decided. But I'm like, nope, I'm just mad. <laughs> like, I'm driving. I didn't play any music. <laughs> you know it's bad when you're just, like, sitting quiet, and you're like, mm, man. So I'm just sitting in quiet. <laughs> and I kid you not, I just, like, realized, like, what am I doing? And I just said, you know, God, I'm angry. I'm upset at myself. <laughs> and I felt like a little whisper, like, I know, <laughs> Like, he, he knows when we are, and I just called it out. And then the Lord started working my heart. No big revelation, nothing crazy. But on the drive here, I, I realized, like, that's a really silly thing to be angry about, Ian. And I realized that, you know, I went and I got the, uh, the, the glow sticks, and then I, I also had forgotten a, there was a bunt cake, a pumpkin cake that, was, that I had also forgotten. But that one was for me, right? Like, I just forgot that, so it's fine. But since I forgot the glow sticks for someone else, I would come back and get it. And then I realized, like, oh, I can get the pumpkin cake now. Well, this is perfect. And so I got the pumpkin cake. I came back. I had so many slices of that cake at small group. Uh, like, it was, it was very delicious. 
And I, I realized that I just had to acknowledge it. I just had to sit in the car and say, you know, God, I'm angry. I'm upset at myself for forgetting that. And when we choose joy, now that's a very small thing, but when we choose joy in the little things, we get more and more opportunities to choose joy in the big things. I'll say that again. When we choose joy in the little things, we get more and more opportunities to choose joy in the big, big things. So the first step in the path to choosing joy is acknowledge the circumstance. Don't sugarcoat it. Just call it what it is. This has been a tough year for me. That's it. Now the second A is accept the suffering. Accept the suffering. We're going to read from a passage of, of Romans, Romans 5. Accept the suffering. So Romans 5, verses 3 through 5. And this is what it says. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So there's this weird paradox of actually rejoicing in our sufferings. And here's the thing. I, I want us to hear, accepting our suffering does not mean that we're going to stay in it forever. It doesn't mean that I'm going to camp out here. But what it does is accepting our suffering keeps the end in mind. It recognizes that joy is at the end. It's there for us. We have joy because of the freedom at the end. And hear this. If, if you hear anything, hear this. If we don't accept our suffering we put off the potential of walking through the suffering. If we don't accept our suffering, we put off the potential of walking through the suffering. You never have to walk through something you never accept. And so some of us go our whole lives without ever accepting that thing that happened when you were five, that was suffering. And we live our life as this, this case of never walking into true, abundant joy because we've never accepted that we suffered. And like I said, happiness and joy, they're different things. I would say that I used to live a happy life. You know, I was like super fun and jello bashes and I'm the youth pastor and like life is fun. And I realized that I wasn't living a joyful life, I was living a happy life. And, and here's what happened. There was a lot of things that happened to me uh, when I was a kid. And if I'm honest, I never talked about it. I never told anyone about it. I never walked through it. I never walked through the healing. I never acknowledged it, and I never accepted it. And so what I was doing is I would say I was living my life at about an 80%. And to me, that was happy because that's all I knew. I knew, like, man, 80% is great. But then the Lord started working, and, and he gave me this reminder as the father, and maybe this is the thing you need to hear, is he wrapped me in his arms, and I heard him say, it's okay to feel because you're not going to be alone. It's okay to feel because you're not going to be alone. And I started feeling things from when I was a kid that I'd never felt. I started acknowledging my circumstances. I started accepting my suffering. And all of a sudden, I started feeling things I'd never experienced. And I won't say that it was easy. It was hard. Like I was, I was in the valley, right? I was walking through the hardship. But as I walked through the hardship, I found that I wasn't just living at the 80%. I could reach 100%. Like I could, I could get up there. I wasn't just down, but I was up. And because as we experience the low of life, we all go, also get to experience the high of life. Like that is the very beauty of joy, that, that we can step into it. And now you might even hear like, Ian, that doesn't sound like joy, accepting my suffering. And, and I, as I was like praying about this, I felt the same way. Like what, accepting suffering, how is that joy? But, but listen to this. I, listen, this is good. To have joy in trials, it, it's not denying pain. It's not saying that it's not happening to me. It's to recognize the fact that they can actually exist together. They can coexist in the same way that an expectant mother can come through the pain of birth and still have joy in thinking of what is to come. When you're in it, and I've talked with mothers, and, and they're like, man, that is painful. And then they come to me, I say, is it worth it? Would you do it again? And they say, absolutely. Because the joy of that new life in your hands, and how much joyful in the new life that we get from Jesus. 
The, the, the mother, as she's having her kids, she has joy because she has the right focus. As she cont- considers, you know, the new baby being birthed into the world. And us as believers, we're called to have the right focus on joy in our trials that we experience. I was uh, in, this would have been about, about a year ago, pre, pre-COVID. And I was, uh, we had a team, and a lot of people here from church, and we had a team leading worship at uh, a, uh, a conference. It was like a youth conference. There was quite a few kids there. It was awesome. And, you know, like, you play all the really exciting songs, and if anyone's a musician or have been to them, you know, like, the Sunday morning as you send them out, you play, like, the, the massive, ex- like, you know, the, the bangers, right, the bops, as the youth say. So that's a new one. You can write that down. Bop. The middle schoolers are laughing. Or not middle schools, the middle school teachers. I'm so sorry, Nate. Um, it's a bop, okay? That's what you play on the Sunday morning. And what, what, what happens is we're ready. We're gearing to go. We show up Sunday morning. It had been a great conference. We show up. We're ready. And uh, then someone comes up to me, and they're like, you know, did you move the electric guitar? Did you move the bass? We're like, no, did you move it? Kid you not, our instruments had gotten stolen on Saturday night. What? I know. I, we were like, what? And and here's the thing, rhythm, like you need bass to really lay down like, you know, and you need electric guitar to get those riffs going, to get the kids hype. Like you need the instruments, let me tell you. And we're like sitting there and we're under, we're like, we're going to do the hype thing. We can't do the hype thing now. What are we, what are we supposed to do? And so we sat there and it's, it's so wild, this, this idea, these paths that we do it in our lives. If you've ever stepped into joy based on a circumstance, you've done this. Now you just have language for it. And so I sat there, and, and rather than rec- like, all right, well, let's find the perpetrator. Let's get the cameras. Let's do all the stuff. It's like, well, what are we going to do? Well, maybe the Lord didn't want us to do the bops. Maybe he didn't want us to do the, the big, exciting uh, things. And so we acknowledge, we're like, okay, our instruments have been stolen. And we could have put it off. We could have pretended like it didn't happen and just d- gone on the same way that we were going to. But rather we acknowledge, like, okay, these things that are important are gone. We accepted, like, man, it's actually going to sound a lot different. And then we, we decided, like, oh, man, maybe the Lord wants to do something else. And we led in worship, and we did an acoustic worship set for the Sunday morning kind of send out. And the presence of the Lord was powerful. He was there. He was present. It was amazing. And the, there was a sound guy that came up. He's like, I haven't seen anything like that. I mean, it was just, it was super powerful. And what we did is we realized that, oh, my gosh, the end in mind is so important, that, that the Lord wants us to worship him in a different way than we anticipated. And we were just willing, we yielded to what he wanted to do and said, okay, this is going to be worth it. And I'll tell you, it was. And that story, it shows that the third A is appraise the value of joy. It's appraise the value of joy. Now, words, they don't have... Uh, they don't have intrinsic definitions. Like words aren't created with definitions, but they're given them. And I want us to hear that, that we don't change the definition of joy, but the world, uh, the world gives the definition joy as not having trouble. That's what it says. But biblical joy is finding joy within or amidst our suffering. It's finding the joy in the pain. James 1.2 says this, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Joy is Jesus coming and it's eternal life, just like our verse in in 1 Peter. That's true joy. And that actual joy, the definition of joy, who he is and and what he he did is, is not going to change. But choosing joy oftentimes can be a lot like a muscle. The value of joy in the present circumstance can change. And, and here's, here's what I mean by that. If you lose the keys to your car, we're going to walk through the three A's. Uh, you acknowledge that they're lost. You're like, man, I lost my keys. Uh, then you have to accept, and this is a hard one, that you can't drive anywhere, and your friends or your spouse is going to have to drive you everywhere. Um, or you're going to have to pay the money for the extra key if you don't have one. Whatever it is, you have to accept, like, man, this, that's suffering, right? Being, like, submitted to someone else and driving sometimes. Maybe you figured out a way to make it work, and very well done, well done. Um, but that's the thing. We accept the suffering, and then when you find your keys, the joy at the end, you're ecstatic. You're pumped. You're like, I can drive again. 
But here's the thing, the value of that joy is amazing, but, but what about when, when your husband gets positive cancer results, and then you have to acknowledge that they're not going to be around, you have to accept the suffering that they're going to walk through, but how much greater the amount of joy when they're healed of that cancer, when they go through their last moment of chemo, that joy is abundantly greater and it doesn't mean that, that joy changes in it itself, but it means our appraisal of joy changes. The truth doesn't change, but we give it a different appraisal. And a lot of us, if I'm honest, a lot of us don't even acknowledge the circumstance. Like, we, we stop there. Like, we just, we kind of turn our back to it. But some of us do. Some of us call it what it is. And then some of us step into accepting the suffering. But we just, we sit in the suffering. We're just like, well, this is my life. This is how it's going to be. But if you never actually step into appraising joy, then you're missing the point. Like I've said, finding joy in the little helps bring joy in the big. Martin Luther said this. He said, God is not a God of sadness, death, but the devil is. Christ is a God of joy. And so the scriptures often say that we should rejoice. A Christian should and must be a cheerful person. And if you're experiencing joy right now in your present circumstance and what's happening in the world, that means you're actually rooted in a different kingdom. That's the kingdom of God. It's, it looks different. If you say, man, I am so joyful, and everyone around you is like, how? It's because you are seated. You are standing in a different place. This joy is a gift, and this true joy is something that you get to open each and every morning, each and every day. And so I just want to invite Lynn to come on up and, and play. And, and here's, here's what I ask. In your circumstance, in your suffering, would joy be your first inclination? I would say for a lot of us, it's not. And if not, my question is, why not? What does it look like for you to experience joy today? It's here for you as, as a man named Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2, it says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And I want to read that verse in 1 Peter to close us out, just to hear. And I pray that you read it differently as you're able to sit in your circumstance, sit in your suffering, and experience true abundant joy. This is it. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your soul. And here's the thing about joy. Brene Brown says that joy is the most vulnerable emotion that we experience. I just want to read her words. She says, if you cannot tolerate joy, what you do is you start dress rehearsing tragedy. Dress rehearsing tragedy, she explains, is imagining something bad is going to happen when in reality nothing is wrong. How many of you have ever stood over your child while they're sleeping and thought, oh my gosh, I love you and then pictured something horrific happening. Or woke up in the morning and thought, oh my gosh, job's going great, parents are good, this can't last. And during her research, Brown says that she met people who had profound capacity for joy. The difference, she says, is that when something really blissful happened to them, they felt grateful. Instead of using it as a warning to start practicing disaster, they used it as a reminder to practice gratitude. My invitation to you today is joy is worth the risk. It's vulnerable. It means you have to step into acknowledging and accepting. But on the other side is joy. We get to experience the joy with one another. And so to close, uh, we've been doing this uh, kind of prayer and what I want us to do is I want you to think through uh, what's something that maybe you need joy for in your life or what's something that someone else needs joy and just think through that prayer
And what you'll do is, is you can grab forward, you can grab a pin. If you're online, you can go to indievineyard.org forward slash advents. And you can fill out the prayers there. And we just ask that you fold them up, put them in the jar, and they'll be individually prayed over. But as we do that, as you reflect, I think the perfect opportunity for us to kind of step into that joy is through communion. And so we're going to take communion together. And, and communion, is, it's a representation of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And so you can, you can grab it. And, and, and what Jesus did is he said, this is my body broken for you. He actually died on the cross for you. And that's where we find our joy. It's on the cross. And then he bled on the cross as well for you. So we invite you to take communion if you've professed Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. And, and if you haven't and you're even hearing this joy and you want to know this joy as a person, we invite you to turn to your neighbor or come up to, to myself or one of the pastors and, and say, I want to know that joy. I want to know that person, that man, Jesus. And so I invite you to take communion with me now. circumstance, accept the suffering, appraise the value of joy. It's a practice that you get to do this week and today. And so what I do is I invite you forward. Uh, I, I do just want to respect everyone's time where if, if you need to go, this will be kind of our, our dismissal, okay? But if you really, you want this prayer, you want to put it, we invite you forward to, to fill out the prayers and to put them in the jars. May the Lord bless you and keep you. We just pray for so much abundant joy upon you this week as you go throughout your week. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.